severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Just Get A Real Job. It has been a very, very busy couple of weeks for me and Elliot at Just Get A Real Job. We'd um, obviously launched the Patreon a few weeks ago and now we're, we've been trying to bring you guys two episodes a week. So yeah, we've been recording a lot of interviews and it's been an absolute blast. So thank you everyone. If you are a new listener, please go back and listen to some of our older episodes. We, You know, this is episode 18, so there's 17 other episodes for you to listen to if you just joined us. So yeah, I'd recommend going back and listening to them. Anyway, we've got a very, very good episode lined up for you guys today as I got the chance to speak to Ben Greenberg, who is a musician and a singer-songwriter, and I got the chance to speak to Ben from his home in sunny LA, and it was a pleasure. It was obviously very snowy in Scotland at the time, so it was it was weird to go across the world on Zoom, but I enjoyed it. I'd like to thank Ben again for his time. I really enjoyed our conversation. I actually want to apologise to our American listeners, because during me and Ben's conversation, I referenced uh, where some of our listeners in America are based, and I said, by mistake, Denver, and it, it wasn't Denver at all. It was just me being an ignorant scott and getting my american geography off the main amount of our american listeners are actually virginia and west virginia we seem to have a very about 10 or 12 downloads in west virginia and virginia every week so whoever is listening there thank you very much for your support and of course thank you to everyone across america because we have had quite a range of american listeners tuning in so thank you everyone in the states anyway because this week's episode is a little bit longer than usual i'm just going to keep the poem very brief this week it's not even a poem actually i'm just going to read a quick quote um, and this is something me and ben chatted about in our conversation so i thought it would be appropriate but i just wanted to quote one of my favorite uh, salvador dali quotes and it is have no fear of perfection you'll never reach it. And I think that's a very, very good quote for all creatives because, you know, often we can be very, you can be perfectionists and we'll keep working on stuff and thinking it's not good enough and that stops us from putting ourselves out there. And, you know, that's definitely something I've uh, struggled with in the past and it has held me back. So, yeah, good thing to keep in mind. Anyway, let's go to sunny LA and enjoy this week's conversation with Ben. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Hey, Jamie. I'm doing great. It's great to meet you as well. Thanks for having me today. I was just saying to you before we started the recording, you're the first American we'd had on the podcast, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's so cool. It's it's an honor. I <laughs> hope I represent, you know, America <laughs> easily as, as its first foray on your podcast. Oh, you know, yeah. but... well, we, we've got listeners in America, weirdly. We'd actually had quite a range of listeners. It's been, they're very spread out. We've got Florida. We seem to get quite, I can't remember. I think it's like Denver or something. We've got quite a lot of listeners there. We've got a few in LA as well. So yeah, it's that's awesome. spread out. New York. So weird, weird ray of America. America there yeah that's super cool how are you today anyway you okay yeah doing all right you know it's uh it's the new year and, and it's here we are we're still in covid still finding our way through obviously you know it's kind of a, a new time here in the states we've got a, a new administration coming in and, yeah i've and, got a, i've actually got a joe biden thing hey look at that that's great yeah so <laughs> 
you know, we're all very excited about that here to kind of see how things shift in terms of yeah. how the COVID pandemic and, and everything is getting managed and, and hopefully seeing the vaccines, you know, start to yeah. come out more rapidly and everything. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty hopeful right now, later this year at least. You're a musician, you're a singer-songwriter, and we'd, we'd actually not had a lot of musicians on the podcast yet. Today's the first day I've actually interviewed two people called Ben who are both musicians today, which is weird, a weird coincidence. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think musician is a good job for someone named Ben. There's just something about it. <laughs> well together. Yeah, there must be. But what's really interesting is you're both very different as well in, in good ways. So it's, it's a nice little range as well. But thank you very much for coming on. And I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, I'm really excited. So Ben, we like to start the podcast by asking our guests, what's your earliest creative memory? <laughs> it's a little bit embarrassing. But when I was really little, I was probably like four years old or something, maybe even three. You know, I was I was just getting like, you know, used to using the, the toilet, let's say. And I made a little song about that. <laughs> And I won't tell you the lyrics, they were just goofy little lyrics, but it was just sort of a, a toilet song. And, and I sang it to myself as I was there, you know, using the toilet and kind of being happy and just like, la di da di da So yeah, I, I would make up songs about anything, you know, from an early age. So you've, so you've been a singer-songwriter from a very, very young age then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's sweet. That's nice. Well, another sort of another thing we sort of start the podcast off by asking is um, we ask our guests like how where they're from has influenced them. So where about in America are you actually from? I'm from California. I was born in Chico, California, which is sort of a, a college town pretty far up in Northern California. And when I was growing up there, you know, it was a little bit smaller. It's, it's gotten bigger and kind of more suburban now, but it was it was kind of just this small college town, you know, kind of a, a hippie California vibe. Yeah. And my parents were kind of like hippie oatmeal parents. They, they had me um, <laughs> homeschooling, so I didn't go to conventional school as a kid. And I don't remember really being exposed to a lot of culture there, but but the things that I do remember were like a couple of little music festivals and things like that. And my dad was a musician and, and so I was around music a lot just at home. And then we moved to Santa Rosa when I was seven and, and that's kind of where I tend to say that I'm from because I really, that was like my formative years growing up there and making the, the change over from homeschooling to public schooling and sort of making my first forays into broader social life and, and music became a way that I was sort of managing those new friendships and relationships, making friends by having bands and by, you know, jamming yeah. with people in the schoolyard and that kind of thing. So did you like, did you pick up the guitar as a, as a what age did you start playing guitar and stuff like that? Well, I always wanted to play like ever since I was uh, really little because my dad playing and he, and he actually wrote songs too that he'd play for us when me and my sister were kids and so I always kind of had the sense that you could pick up the guitar and make something of your own with it but my hands were too small right when I was a kid my dad he <laughs> tried to get me to play ukulele and <laughs> I, I did it for a little while but I was like ah this is this isn't the real thing it's plinky it's not really the the true sound <laughs> that I really want to have in my hands so I didn't start playing really until I was about 12 or 13 and I, I like finally just picked up my dad's guitar on a, on a trip and said I, I have to start playing this thing. My, my parents had actually recently got divorced so I was kind of I think I was looking for an emotional outlet and I picked it up and I was just like I'm gonna learn how to play this thing. It's gonna happen. You know I've, I've waited long enough <laughs> and I started really getting into it. My, I think my dad could tell that I really really wanted to, to do that. I really wanted to play guitar and I asked him for probably like the fourth time in my life can I you know get a guitar and can I get guitar lessons and he finally bought me one and that you know that got me started. <laughs> and did you say you were in bands and stuff at school? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much within a year of playing, my friend Ethan, who, who I met because of this, he invited me to play a talent show 
in middle school with him mm. and I had I'd only been playing guitar for you know less than a year at that point um, but there weren't that many kids at our middle school so he didn't have that many options to choose from and I thought yeah sure okay you know I'll, I'll try to figure this out and learn a few songs and we got this little sort of ragtag band together and played My Generation by The Who and maybe we did one other song I can't remember exactly what it was but it was it was totally goofy but we had a great time <laughs> and so then Ethan and I wound up at the same high school the next year and we had so much fun just you know doing this little talent show band we just started to start a garage band and he had some other friends that kind of came together and, and joined the band with us and we started writing our own songs and that was that band was how I started really getting into to songwriting I had I'd been making up my own melodies and chord progressions and stuff before kind of starting to jam with these guys, but that band somehow gave me the inspiration and sort of this feeling that I had a setting where I could make yeah. something and bring it in and try it out and, and see how it would actually sound with other people playing it with me. No, that, that's really interesting. That's cool. So that's sort of where you honed your craft at that uh, formative age, basically. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, especially just having other people around who could kind of get excited about it and say, oh yeah, that's, that's cool you know, and to give you some feedback. So it's not just you having to make all the judgments about whether you've made something good or not. Yeah. No, that, I told it. Yeah. When I was, um, a teen, I mean, I don't do play music now, sadly, or sing anymore and more into like film stuff and everything and writing. Right. But when I was a youngster, like I, that was my big thing. We had a band and I really wanted to be like a singer in a band. So like, I love musicians. I always like look at musicians and kind of awe. I think it's something like I always have. And I quite like writing about musicians as well in scripts. So I, I find like all that stuff so fascinating. That's really cool. You did record the um, music for this podcast right I mean that, uh, little, uh... Well, that was actually our editor Elliot and he's one of my best mate I used to talk I'm about ta talking about talent shows we used to play together in like a little double act and he's so talented so I used to always look at him and kind of awe because he can play everything he's very talented he was on episode four of the podcast yeah he's a he's a sound engineer and yeah he's, he's a very talented so he's really he was really excited that when we announced we were going to be interviewing some musicians this week yeah yeah, it's cool. That's super cool. Well, Ben, another question we ask all our guests is, do you have a favorite word or phrase where you're from? So do you have like a favorite like word from California? <laughs> um, you know, there's there's so many classic California words. And, and I think that like California has been the birthplace of like so much American slang. I guess, you know, I'm going to be really basic and, and, <laughs> and say, okay, there's, there's two really good ones. And I think I'm going to get the, the geography is correct. So I, I live in Los Angeles now, which is in Southern California, mm. but I'm from Northern California. So in Northern California, one of the words that <laughs> we use a lot that I don't even, I don't even really <laughs> use this word all the time or like love the word, but we say hella a lot. Like, well, oh, that's hella cool. Yeah. Like hella, hella rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in Southern California, you say it's chill. You say, <laughs> oh, that's chill. Cool. Oh, that's chill. <laughs> so i say both of those things it's like i've always known people from both northern and, and southern california but i don't even know what the new thing is now that the kids are saying i have no idea no it's really interesting to speak to you actually because like oh, when you don't live in america like oh, in scotland we grew up a lot of our tv is american you get a lot of right. american tv and obviously most of it's based in because hollywood and stuff so a lot of right. it's like around california so we get a lot of these americanisms in our culture as well so like we we you know we use these words because we get them from popular culture obviously yeah it's so weird how that happens yeah it's interesting though yeah so when you leave school then you'd like been in a band and stuff what's your next step do you like go in to like do you go to college or uni and like try and pursue music or does that come a bit later in life it comes a bit later because you know i really i had a lot of doubt about myself and what i wanted to do and and just a lot of uncertainty of what it would look like to try to put together a creative career 
I actually started in high school in this arts magnet program for visual art. There were all different, you know, visual and performing arts in the program, but I had gone in for visual art. And so I was, for the first two years, I was doing a lot of drawing and painting and stuff. And that was another thing creatively that I'd done from a young age. And I sort of had this idea in my head that I was gonna go to school for visual arts. And then between my sophomore and junior year, I'd gone to this sort of college preparatory program where you spend a month at a college campus. And it was for, uh, again, it was for the arts. And I had gone to that for music mm. because I'd been doing these garage bands and writing songs and recording and was feeling really excited about that you know it was sort of like I've been doing the art thing for for a bit and kind of had started getting a little bit bored or impatient with it and music was this new exciting thing so I so I went to that summer program for music came back and said ah I, I really want to do music now and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm kind of done with this whole art thing and so I switched out of the visual arts program and joined like the choir at the school and, and just started focusing more heavily on the bands that I was in and stuff like that but you know by by sort of getting rid of that that visual art plan I also got rid of like the the concrete college plan where I was gonna go to a you know an arts college an arts school and I didn't really have the same feeling of clarity that I could go to a music school. Mm -hmm. I think my dad, you know, he, he had concerns about, it was strange because my parents, they, they didn't seem to express any, any concern about me pursuing a visual arts career. They seemed perfectly comfortable with the idea that I might, you know, go to art school and that kind of thing. <laughs> but then when it switched over to music, there was, there was all this cautionary talk. And I, and I don't think that my dad meant it in a bad way. I, I think that he had some insecurity about music because he had wanted perhaps to pursue music maybe like as a sound engineer in a studio at, at, at one point in his life and he kind of looked at that path and, and felt like it wasn't necessarily going to be secure enough for him and so I think around perhaps around music specifically he had that same just feeling of concern that I might you know wind up in the same situation by pursuing music I might you know not have the level of security and, and yeah which, which is totally, comfort in life which is which is totally fair and I mean something on the podcast that we talk about obviously the name of the podcast is just get a real job which is kind right. of like a in opposition to like that sort of attitude of you know you're going to get a real job because the arts aren't important or you know that sort of you know which a lot of people say but also like there is, I do understand when parents and stuff are concerned for their kids because it is one of those industries where economic security isn't guaranteed and some people don't really want to live in a in, you know live life in a way that's not secure and I mean that is very fair I'm quite jealous of people that that really want to have a nine-to-five job and are really happy with it because that wouldn't make me happy but at least they're sort of comfortable I imagine yeah absolutely and like you say I mean there's obviously there's there's no perfect one right path necessarily but yeah at, at that time in my life it was hard for me to sort of own my own decision about about it yeah. and, and kind of like make a bold move and so I, I sort of wound up in community college because no one was really pushing me to go to university at that point it was sort of like well why don't you you know you don't seem to know exactly what you want to do so so why don't you take some time to kind of figure it out and in my heart you know of course I had been making all this music and I like my heart was saying like yeah oh, you just you gotta do this music thing you know take a risk like try it and see what happens but you know, then my, my mind and sort of like the feedback from the world was telling me like, be careful, like, maybe that's not the right path. Maybe you got to like figure something else out. So yeah, so I wound up in community college for a couple of years. And, you know, basically an experience of being stuck in my hometown for two more years after high school, yeah. and pretty quickly realizing like, oh, I'm tired of this. <laughs> you know, I love my parents, I love my family. But I was just at that age where you you start to want more independence and you want to sort of have more of your own experiences and just venture out into the world and figure things out for yourself and still being living at home. It felt like an extension of high school and it felt like I wasn't really moving into that 
yeah. new phase of life. So I was really impatient to get out there. So I, you know, I kind of blazed through the, the requirements at the community college and sort of decided haphazardly that I was going to go into social sciences. I always liked, you know, sort of talking to friends and helping them with their problems. So I thought, well, maybe I'll become a therapist. <laughs> so I transferred to University of Santa Cruz, actually as a sociology major thinking that once I got there, I would switch into psychology and go down this whole therapist path. But I got there and within the first year, it was like, I was miserable. I was having like a quarter life crisis. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't doing the things that I was doing for the right reasons. I didn't feel yeah. like I was doing it because I believed it was the right path. I mean, I was doing it more out of fear than out of genuine engagement with like wanting to become a therapist and wanting to help people. And, and I think I also sort of recognized on some level that like I had, you know, my own personal stuff that I hadn't really sorted out yet. And even though I didn't necessarily think of that in a conscious way of like, oh, I need to go and get therapy before I can like help other people with therapy. <laughs> it was sort of that feeling of like, Hmm. I need to I need to work something out for myself before I can really like do this. And and part of that was realizing that I need to take a risk and and go back and and try this yeah. thing that you know my heart had been asking me to to try for a long time. And I almost didn't do it. I almost pulled out of university and went back home to like take a leave of absence and and go back to community college to try something else. But I had friends in the singing group. It was like an acapella group at the school. And they were all telling me like, you're such a good singer. You ought to, you know, join the music program here. There's a good opera program and it's a sing singing program. And, you know, some of them were in it and they sort of saying, why don't you look at this? Maybe, maybe this would be a good path for you. And it took me like a whole month of just agonizing over it and debating about what was the right choice and, you know, what to do about it before I finally said like, yeah, this is what my heart's telling me to do. If I don't do this, if I don't give it a shot and find out what could happen, you know, I'll regret it later on. And at the very least I have to try and, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So is that basically, is that when you decided to move to LA then? Or is that, is that a bit later on as well? That's a little bit later on as well. I, I think that LA was in my mind because my buddy Ethan, who I mentioned earlier from the garage band, he came down to LA to go to USC for their guitar program there. And he's an exceptionally talented guitarist. And it was so awesome for him to, to come down here and be in that program. And he was sending me like recordings. There, were, there was a pop program down there, this whole songwriting program. And yeah. he was sending me recordings of the bands that were in this program. And I was just like captivated by the level of craftsmanship that was going into these bands and these recordings in the program at USC. And so I just kind of had this sense like, oh, LA is where it's at. That's <laughs> like where people are kind of making this high level music. And there's clearly like a big scene down there. Obviously it's this huge creative industry. And I, I, I really wanted to be there. I I felt like oh, I wish I had tried to go there instead and explored that scene and found out, you know, what could happen there. So I, I definitely had it in my head by that point that LA would be a, a cool place to go even if I hadn't really decided to move there just yet. There's always been like a sort of glamorization around LA. I think, not as the wrong word, I think I'm trying to say a glow around it. Like, it, you know, cause it's obviously like this hub of, of culture. I've never been to America, but I would I would actually really like to visit LA just to, cause I love film and stuff. I'd like to see. Oh yeah. Just to experience it. So do you like living there? Oh, I totally, I totally recommend traveling here and checking it out, especially if you're into anything related to film, obviously. Mm. It's such an interesting place. And I'm not the, the most expert on, on like Los Angeles history, but I've read things about, you know, it's interesting the way that it kind of came to be as a city. It's this big, flat, open yeah. valley, right? There's all these just like, it's this big expanse of flatness in for, for many directions. Obviously, you've got the you've got the mountains, got sort of the Santa Monica hills and all that. But I think if I remember correctly, there was this period of time where the government was trying to sort of figure out 
how can we get more people to move here? And how can we sell off this relatively unappealing land? It's not really great yeah, for yeah. farming necessarily. You know, we want to we want to get more people moving here. And so there was sort of this intentional campaign, I think, to kind of turn LA into this glamorized city where you could come to pursue your dreams and, you know, sort of turning it into this vision of a, of a creative utopia or, or yeah. whatever with Hollywood and everything, this, this place that you could come, you know, find a place to live relatively cheaply and get into the show business. And then at the same time, it's, it's like, it's such a diverse city in so many ways. There's mm. so many different kinds of industry here and obviously so many different kinds of people and cultures all kind of coming together, partly probably because it's it's a coastal city and so you've got these ports where there's yeah. a lot of you know chance for cultural exchange and and um you know just different people kind of coming in and coming out and then the entertainment industry kind of coming in and, and drawing in so many different people and then also the fact that there's there's oil here and there's just so many different <laughs> things. It's like, you know, you can come to LA to do yeah. anything. It's, it's just one of those places in the world where there's just like everything is happening here. <laughs> yeah, um, it does seem that way. Yeah, which is like, it's so cool. And then at the same time, it's like kind of overwhelming. And and it's certain, it's the biggest place I've ever lived. You know, I kind of, I grew up in these smaller suburban towns, Chico and Santa Rosa, and then was uh, at school in Santa Cruz. So it was very different for me to come here and kind of had my first experience being in the city. I've come to like it a lot more over time. When I first moved here, I felt like, I think I felt like it was just this strange foreign land almost yeah. that I couldn't really grasp. And it was like so big that I couldn't wrap my head around it. But I think a lot of people thrive here. And I, I think that I've certainly come to find more of my place here mm -hmm. over time. And I, I, I think, you know, I, I definitely see myself here for the foreseeable future. And I hope that I continue to sort of find, you know, my place and my my sort of zone within the yeah. the massive jungle <laughs> of Los Angeles. Well, that, that's really interesting. I, 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 as I say, I'll hopefully make it over when the pandemic permits and all that and we can travel again and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Well, this segues nicely into sort of now into your music stuff uh, we can talk yeah. about. So you're in LA at this point when you're releasing. So you start releasing singles, right? So you release your first single on Spotify in a way it was 2019 and that was the roadhouse yeah that's correct um wow you did your research <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm just checking i'm like i didn't want to assume it was the first single but for, according to my research it was the first single <laughs> you're right yeah that's really cool yeah i i came down here and i had been working at a coffee shop up in the bay area in san francisco actually that was sort of my first job out of college and i've been freelancing for for singing up there i've been doing classical singing and singing in choirs and stuff so i transferred with that coffee shop job down here to la just to, to have something to kind of give me an anchor. And so I, that was kind of my day job. And then the rest of my time, I was trying to write songs and record them in my little apartment. And I was showing them to friends and stuff. I was, I was showing my songs to like, to my friend Ethan and stuff like that. And everyone was kind of saying like, you know, you gotta get out there and try these songs in front of an audience, you know, see what happens with it. They sound good, you know, to you maybe, but like they're only, you're never gonna know what's happening with the songs until you get out there yeah. and sort of try it live and, and try it in front of people and see how they respond. And that was what kind of, pushed me to, to start making my first collection of recordings, my first EP, which that song Roadhouse is off of. And I'd been getting into bluegrass music, actually, which I had no idea, really, um, when I was younger, but there's this huge bluegrass scene yeah, yeah, in California yeah. and really really across the United States, but there's, there's a big scene for it in California, and some of my college friends got me into it and started to get me going to the bluegrass festivals. And they are just like, it's such an amazing community, such an amazing music community, because the festivals are only partly about the music that's happening on stage. Really, the biggest thing of it is all the people who come to the festival, they're camping out, and every night they just <laughs> jam. 
We went with the boys to the bookhouse We talked about the trouble in the town But she and I were blind with our new love And we did not see the warnings all around We both went to the roadhouse We both went to the lion's stand. We both went to the roadhouse And who's when I'll see her face again and it's actually it's it's kind of similar to like the Celtic music tradition, the fiddle ah, yeah. music tradition yeah, in yeah. Um, Scotland and Ireland. You know where there's just these these jam circles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot um, of overlap there. Exactly, and and having that community that's just so so welcoming and and sort of like yeah, come in and, and play this music with us and and give it a try got me really inspired and interested in in that music and and so that started influencing my songwriting and so I kind of got this idea to make an acoustic EP of sort of bluegrass inspired songs partly because I didn't need to have a drummer and that was great because I, I had tried like recording programmed drums for sort of more pop music that I'd recorded before I wasn't really satisfied with the sound of them and I didn't know any drummers and I was you know I'm kind of you know I've learned this about myself I'm kind of an introvert I'm not the most outgoing person I'm not like great at sort of going out to shows and, and bars and stuff and like just meeting new people and, and like building up a new network so when I got down here you know I kind of had the friends that I already had who, had who were also living here in LA and for the first couple of years like that was it that was who I knew I, I wasn't <laughs> meeting like new people and, and making the connections that I could have made to like put together a band or something like that it was all like I had this mentality that I had to do it all myself and like prove yeah. myself or something before I would be worthy of like making a band or something so all of those pieces kind of coming together it's a long story but that kind of led to making this acoustic album and I actually wound up getting a couple of friends another like other acoustic musicians in LA as well as a friend from the bluegrass festival scene to help me put that album together mm -hmm. and then I did a couple of just like self-organized tours and and this was where I was like all right you know I'm getting the music <laughs> in front of people the way that Ethan told me to do way back yeah, yeah, yeah. finally doing it like getting it to these house shows and, and little small venues up the coast and and I brought my CDs with me and you know tried to sell them and stuff and it was a really good experience it was the first time, it was honestly the first time I had like really finished a full creative project on my yeah. own. Because up until that point, I had really um, just rings and maybe recorded like demos of them. And my high school band, we were really stuck in the garage. You know, we were really just like stuck on wanting to sound perfect to ourselves. And we didn't, we didn't ever think about really trying to go out and play live. We, we did a couple of times, but it wasn't the main focus. We were kind of obsessed with like making this music for ourselves mm. and recording it until it sounded professional to our ears. So it kind of, that perfectionism prevented us from, from finishing things, you know, um, which I think is a challenge that a lot of creative people face. Definitely is, um, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you're, all, you're your own worst critic and it's really Absolutely. hard to get past that. But something eventually has to, has to push you past that to the point where you're finishing something and, and yeah. making peace with the imperfections so that you can learn and do it better next time, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so recording that EP, that was the first time I had done that. I had actually like taken something from writing the songs to recording them to actually finishing the CD and having it as, as a completed thing. Something to show for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you worked with, a, you worked with a, a producer on the the stuff as well, didn't you? Like on making these, the EP. Actually on that, on that EP, it was my friend Max, who's a banjo and bass player who's who's fantastic. Uh, he's actually based out in Florida. I think he probably still is. I don't know if he's stayed out there during the pandemic. But um, anyway, yeah, he came in and recorded some parts 
on that EP and he has a great ear for production and he kind of helped me bring it together a little bit and, and give it a sense of being produced mm which I had been kind of struggling with a little bit, finding that sense of cohesion with it and, and figuring out how to sort of polish it and put it together. And partly that happened just because he's a fantastic yeah. musician and plays so many different instruments and he was able to kind of fill out the sound of the songs. But yeah, that EP was basically self-produced by myself and, and with a little bit of assistance from, from him and a couple of other friends. But later on, after finishing the couple of little tours that I did, it was kind of you know, what's next? What am I going to do next? And I knew that I couldn't really do the next thing by myself. I wasn't really going to take it to the next level. So I was, I was definitely on the lookout for someone to collaborate with. I didn't even really know that I was looking for a producer, but that's definitely what I was looking for. And it was actually at the end of the tour for the Roadhouse EP, I came back to LA and my last show of the tour was playing this house show series called Good Folk. Mm -hmm. that I've gotten involved with. They're a really awesome house show series that does, you know, shows rotating around different locations around LA, focused on folk and acoustic music. And I had kind of gotten involved helping with doing the sound for the shows and providing, you know, some of my equipment for buying and filling out the sound in, in the space. So they offered to have me play. And this guy, Jordan, was also playing that show. And we met and he was just like so friendly right <laughs> off the bat. And he was like offering me a gig as like a guitarist in this country band that he, he had heard me playing my bluegrass songs. And he was like, oh, you'd be perfect for this, you know? And it was, <laughs> it was actually right before I went on my trip to Scotland in the UK that I told you about. And so I connected with him and then it was like, oh, I, I can't do any of these things that you just told me about like this gig that you're telling me about because I'm about to go travel in the UK <laughs> for a whole month but it was it was sitting in my mind that I'd met this guy and, and I knew that he produced and I, I liked his songs that he played at the show and he just you know he was just this really friendly open guy that seemed like someone that would be cool to work with and I wound up uh, running into him a couple more times at these house shows and we would talk and kind of strike a, a conversation up and and I finally just got this feeling of like this is the guy. I should talk to him and ask him to help me do the next thing that I want to do. And and so I finally asked him, you know, what would what would the process look like to work with you? Would you be interested in working on something with me? I'd given him a copy of the the EP yeah, yeah. and had him listen to it, and, and he he seemed to like it and and seemed open to, to talking and, and working. And, and he said, well, I'd, I'd put you on a writing schedule and we could just see what comes out of it. And I said, great, you know, what's that going to cost? <laughs> and he said, nothing. Oh, wow. Um, it's it's pre-production. I won't have you pay anything until we actually start recording something. You know, let's let's see what happens if you start writing and then we'll work it out later. And that just blew my mind. I was like, wow, this guy's really generous and, and nice. And I couldn't say no. So yeah, he, he put me on a writing schedule where I was supposed to write something new four days a week for a month and I think that was just like so huge to have someone recognize the yeah. work that I've done up to that point and and say hey you know it seems like you're doing something here I think you should do more of it like pointing the finger and saying go and just like I give you permission. G gave you that extra extra motivation almost and like you know kind of confirmed what you'd really wanted to do for a long time I imagine. Yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little as much 
much as you wish. You can access this by going to www.patreon.com slash just get a real job. So thank you very much again for all your support. And you can also find a link to the Patreon page in the show notes. But anyway, now back to today's show. You're, so you've got quite a lot of singles actually out at the moment. So uh, the two, two of the ones that I particularly like are I really like the Northern Pines. And I really like my favorite is Let You Down. Because when I knew I was interviewing you like a week ago or so, I I obviously would listen to your music more. And that particular song is actually stuck in my head this week. So that's a good sign, I think. Oh, that's really cool. (laughs) That was actually a co-write with Jordan. It was the first co-write that we did. And it's probably the most personal song on the album that we we did together. And it really kind of gets to the core of the doubts that I had and 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 the fears that I had as I was trying to pursue this path and sort of figure out what I was doing with my life after I moved down to LA and, and kind of started trying to find my place here. And a big chunk of what went into that song was the lack of honesty and openness that I was having, particularly with my dad, because I was kind of painting this rosy picture to both my parents, but to him especially, you know, I was just not really letting on what the reality of life was here in LA for me. I was kind of making it out like, Oh, everything's great. You know, I've got enough gigs. I'm getting opportunities. You know, I'm finding new connections and networking and building something and moving towards something and, you know, building up momentum and all this stuff. And my day job's good and I have enough money and all. And some of those things were true and some of them weren't, right? Like I was having, I was finding opportunities and I was making progress. But at the the same time, I had this huge roadblock where I just wasn't quite confident enough to put myself out there for things. And I was kind of getting in my my own way, just not really finding enough work and scraping by, you know, just really living very, very minimally in a very limited way, kind of the the quintessential like starving artist lifestyle, where it was like, I'm not going to buy new clothes. I'm not going to like spend extra <laughs> on, you know, nice food. I'm not going to like go out to eat. Yeah. You know, I would like, I would limit how much I could like go out on dates. Cause I didn't, like, I <laughs> couldn't afford to like go out on a date that often. And I was, I was like reducing my hours at my day job because I was getting kind of tired and sick of it and wanting to focus on music more, but I wasn't really replacing that with anything. Right. So yeah. like my, my savings were kind of getting tight and, and I wasn't in a great like emotional place because I was starting to feel kind of isolated. I had been living alone actually. And it was the first time I was living alone in my life for the first two years here. And, you know, again, being kind of an introvert, I think it was hard for me living alone because I had to go out to see people. And as much as I loved doing that, it would would be kind of fatiguing. I would, you know, I would kind of drain myself exerting energy on these different social things and then be kind of drained and come back home and not really have energy to like work on things. Mm -hmm. And, And because I didn't have people around who were kind of, you know, housemates or anything, who could have given me a sense of like, you know, hey, you got to like contribute around here. You got to like yeah. do chores. As, like... as we say in Scotland, like there's no one to give you a kick up the arse, really. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't have any, anyone like that really in my direct presence. And because I was not really letting on these things to my parents and especially my dad, you know, I, I didn't have them really like breathing down my neck or anything, telling me that I needed to like yeah. get out there and, and, you know, try harder or anything. And I had a lot of guilt around that, a lot of guilt and just shame that I wasn't like kind of pushing myself harder or or, um, or going for it more. And so that that was what that song was really about, was this feeling that maybe I had let myself down during that time that, that I was letting my 
my dad down and that line that that I wrote um, about not wanting him to see I didn't want to show weakness I didn't want to admit that I was yeah. you know in need of support or help because I had this idea that, that I needed to figure it all out for myself and I needed to like stand on my own two feet or something <laughs> no uh, well Ben thank first of all thank you very much for being so open and honest with us on the podcast about like you how you're feeling and and all that stuff because I think it's really useful for the listeners because obviously this podcast is aimed at emerging creatives in particular a lot of the listeners are at the start of their career or are maybe interested in the art so I think it's really helpful when people like you are open and honest about your experiences and because it is a hard industry and we'd all been there at you know we all have can relate to that feeling of thinking you know am I doing enough or like am I yeah. sort of and putting yourself out there is really difficult. It's something I personally am still trying to learn to, how to do. This podcast has really pushed me to do that. Like, for example, like even us speaking, like obviously never met you before this interview and like reaching out to you on Instagram. I would never have done that even a year ago. So it totally. is a, it's a really difficult thing to do. And I don't think people realize how hard it can be. So credit to you as well for like, you know, making the music and, and for pursuing your dreams and all that. It's, it's, it's amazing. Thank you, Jamie. That's really cool. Yeah, and, and props to you as well. I, I totally know what you mean. And yeah, it's great. It's great that you're putting yourself out there as well and like, you know, trying these new things. It's like, that's what we have to do, right? It's just like, keep trying new things and sort of seeing what sticks and, and learning as we go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've, I've got some kind of uh, musician-y questions to ask you, like kind of more quick fiery type ones. Great, um, great. So, which I've been working on today. So one of them is, how would you describe yourself as a musician? What genre would you kind of say you are? I know you kind of touched on it already, but like, what would you identify as, as a musician? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a cool question. I would say I'm kind of at a transitional moment because I have these ideas about sort of where I want to take my sound. But up to this point, I would describe myself as alternative folk. It's, you know, my sound is is kind of centered around acoustic and, and folk singer-songwriter kind of elements, but it also, you know, I'm really interested in kind of bringing in progressive elements and, and sort of these elements from like progressive rock and even like classic rock. I mean, if you look at the Beatles, like they were the first yeah. sort of like prog rock band, right? They were always doing these weird things with production and with different time signatures and that kind of thing. And at my high school, my high school garage band, it was a prog rock band. We were, you know, we were trying to have this sound of like Porcupine Tree and uh, Dream Theater and these different, you know, kind of prog bands. So I've always maintained an appreciation and an interest in musical elements that just twist things a little bit and, you know, do something just a little bit different you know, a, a change of the harmony or a change of, you know, how many beats there are in a measure, that kind of thing. And bringing those elements in, ideally in a way where you kind of don't notice it, which I think the more that I listen to a lot of music, the more I realize like everyone's really doing that. And and the cool thing is a lot of the time you just, you don't notice it because it's made to sound so natural. Yeah. And I've gained more of an appreciation and I guess a humility around realizing like, oh, you know, there's not really anything new under the sun. It's not that you're doing, you know, this brilliant new thing that no one's ever done before. But if you can do it well and do it in a crafted way, it can be really beautiful. And, and I guess that's sort of like, that's where that alternative or like progressive folk kind of element comes in. No, definitely. No, that's, well, that's a good answer. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll keep working my way through because I've got quite a few little music questions to ask you. Another one is, is it a kind of fun one? If you could have written any song from history that someone else has done, what song would you, if like, so you can be the person that had written it, what song would you pick? Oh God! Oh, that's and a, that's a really question. hard question, though. I'm sorry, that is a hard one to answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a lot of choices. You can there. you can say two or three if you want, because that is a really tough. I question. might have to. Well, okay. So you might 
know that I, I put out a tribute song for Nick Drake. I loved it. I really liked your cover of that, Pink Moon. Great song. Oh, thank mm. you. Yeah. And he's he's just one of my absolute favorite artists and, and was a big source of inspiration that I was going to for sort of songwriting archetypal elements for my album. So I've definitely got him on the brain recently. And I guess the song that I would pick of his would probably be, I guess, From the Morning. That's a good song. Um, yeah, that last track on the Pink Moon album, which it's just so beautiful. And I, I recently sort of discovered how that, that album is kind of an exploration of like the apocalypse. It's and, a great album. It's well, and, good for these days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. So look, see the days, the endless colored ways. Go play the game that you learned from the morning. But it but it takes you from this this starting point, you know, Pink Moon talking about like how Pink Moon is coming and you know everyone's gonna be sort of faced with the end times of the of the apocalypse to this redemptive song at the end from the morning where you know and now we rise and 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 this sort of beautiful transcendent like being lifted out of that sort of darkness god it's just so beautiful it's a great so. album oh, i love a saturday is it saturday sun it's called i think yeah i love that song i don't saturday know saturday sun i'm not as familiar with that one i don't know Some if it's of... on pink i don't actually think it's on that album i think it's a different song of it i think it's on a different album yeah most yeah. likely yeah very good song pink Moon's the one that i that i have the most familiarity with yeah yeah his writing is just something else great lyricist as well yeah well we can we'll accept that as an answer that's good well this is a more up-to-date one if you could tour with any current artist who would you tour with or band like so anyone working at the moment hands down Aoife O'Donovan. Okay. She's uh, an American singer-songwriter whose voice I just have such admiration for and her songwriting, again, just, just hits me in my deepest self, my deepest core. And she just... She's such an incredible, professional, and and very humble and down to earth musician. I feel, and and I I just sense that she has this really incredible working relationship with her collaborators and with her band, and and it's just sort of the scene of artists that she moves in, which is very much this sort of alternative folk world that I that I really have an affinity for. Yeah, I, I think that would just be an amazing experience to get yeah. to work with her, even just to like be her opening act, you know, and just get to like see her process a little bit and to be able to like hear her set every night for a bunch of nights in a row. That would just be like a dream come true. No, that, that, I'm not, I, I'm not familiar with her work, but I will look her up after this conversation. And oh check yeah, her out definitely. Well, another question is, because I watched Boogie Nights last night and it had a great soundtrack. So I, had, I thought of this question like this morning. I was like, oh, hey, do you have a favorite film soundtrack? Is there a film you love the soundtrack from? Ah, yeah. I'm a huge Thomas Newman fan mm -hmm. and American Beauty is is one of my favorite movies and he has a great soundtrack for that with all these sort of like piano yeah, and 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 buzzy weird string instruments and and you know these tabla drums and stuff very very Thomas Newman sound but also his score for Shawshank Redemption which is which is more focused on yeah. just like strings that's one of his earlier scores I think so yeah I'm a big fan of, of what he does that's a good answer uh, American Beat has been mentioned on the podcast before a producer we interviewed my friend Kyle who was on it he brought he talked about that film so it's come up before as well but that no that's a nice. good answer well something we ask every guest is like I mean it's kind of I mean you can touch not already 
but what's like the creative dream for you? Like, what's your like goal if you could choose, like, just to be a successful singer? Or you know, um, it's evolving. I think I have I've sort of hit the point with my own singer songwriter project where. I kind of got out of it what I had been trying to get for so long, which was sort of this therapeutic thing and this this sort of like finding my confidence and finding my just sort of trust and belief in myself that I have the capability to accomplish things and the capability to like work hard at something and, and see something through from beginning to end, you know, like this album that I've just finished and, and I'm, you know, finishing putting out. And I really want to continue doing that. I think, I think there's, you know, I have to keep writing songs. Yeah. That's just like part of how I understand myself and, and learn about myself in the world. So I think that that will always be part of what I do. I don't necessarily think that I would want to have a career just as a singer songwriter. I think it could be amazing to like do that for a while and, and tour and everything. But I think I've realized that I really love working with other people. I really love Love being part of a team working in the studio last well I guess it was two summers now on my album I also got to assist an engineer with the producer for some other people's recordings and albums and being part of that collaborative process was just so so rewarding so I hope that whatever mishmash or combination of different things I wind up doing down the line I hope that there's a lot more sort of collaboration and, and teamwork involved in it and just you know finding people that I think would be cool to work with and figuring out you know what I can do to like work with them or contribute to what they're doing that sort of thing no that that's really interesting because something I love is collaborating um because I, I do write but the reason I don't think I write as much as I should is because I think writing is quite a lonely thing to do you're in the right. house all day on your laptop I love working with other people so like I actually love right. working working on projects with other people or being on film sets because you're around do you know that's why I love doing the podcast because you're getting to collaborate with someone else effectively yeah so I totally understand that. And it's really great how honest you've been as well. I like that you didn't just say, oh, I just want to be a successful singer. And like, you know, because some people would just be like, you know, I just want to be the next Beyonce or something. Whereas you're, you know, it's it's a passion for you. You're, you're doing what you want to actually do. Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's just like, I think there's a loneliness to only pursuing kind of your own project that's that's centered on you. I think that, you know, some people, that's exactly what their thing is. That's exactly what they want to do and good on them, good for them for pursuing that. But it's definitely not, it's not for everyone. And I think that it's good if you can really be honest with yourself about what you want and, and what's going to make you happy down the line. Because I think that fame and fortune or celebrity, whatever it is, you know, that might come from just pursuing, you know, your your solo art, artistic career, that kind of thing, especially in music. In mm -hmm. film, if you're a producer or something, it's a little bit different, right? Where you um, you have this creative thing, but you've got like a whole team of people yeah. coming around to like help you make the movies and everything, right? And, and, and the same thing with musicians, with big, you know, big names, Taylor Swift or, you know, anyone else who's got this massive solo career. But at the same time, yeah, I, I think even if you do in music achieve that level, uh, as a solo artist there's like there's the darker side of it too right and and it's good to go into it yeah if that's what you're really going for don't pretend that it's just going to be absolutely sunshine and roses and you know <laughs> fame and fortune and and wealth yeah because we all know you know we'd all seen a star is born and you, you know you know what you can happen with what comes with fame and stuff and like nelly like there is a darker side to it as you say just get a real job well we're nearly at the end of the, our conversation, but something we ask everyone that comes on the podcast is like, is what's the worst part-time job you'd ever had? Is there like a job that you hated that you had to do to sort of support your art? You don't have to name the company, don't worry, but we like to ask everyone. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll say this. My, my coffee shop job was 
not great. I actually think that I, I could have enjoyed working for a coffee shop if I had chosen a little bit more wisely <laughs> which one to work for, or like found like a small mom and pop kind of place that would have been a little bit quieter and, and mellow and that kind of thing. Because I, I, I do like the, the atmosphere of it, you know, the smell of the coffee and all that. Mm. But I chose to work for, you know, one of these bigger kind of chain coffee places here in the States. You know, the thing with it is just that you have to provide very fast service and you get these rushes of customers coming in, you know, all, all kind of clamoring for their, their drinks. And, and there's two things about that. One is that you just get sort of overwhelmed and, and frustrated with the number of customers and you wind up making sacrifices in the quality of the, of the drinks that you're making. <laughs> because you're trying to, exactly. You're trying to rush it and you're kind of, you're being incentivized to work quickly even though there's also this sort of idea that you're supposed to be maintaining like the level of quality of the of the drinks and everything. But then there's also just like the fatigue of your on your body uh, from making the, the drinks quickly and, and pulling all these espresso shots. And I met a bunch of people, like a whole handful of people uh, in my time working for that company who had repetitive strain injuries oh, really? from doing this stuff. That, as soon as I saw that, that should have been my sign to like get out of there. <laughs> but I kept doing it and and I actually, I do have sort of like a, a repetitive strain injury in my wrist that I don't know if it was entirely from working that job, but it yeah. certainly was exacerbated by it. So I would say <laughs> to anyone who's like trying to uh, do any sort of music work, because you're always, you have to use your hands a lot for any, any instrument, unless you're just a singer, I suppose. I shouldn't say just a singer because I am a singer and, <laughs> and I don't mean to belittle singers at all. But Or if you're trying to do any sort of technical work that you're going to need your hands for a lot and you need a day job, don't get a, <laughs> don't get a job at a busy chain coffee shop because you do risk hurting yourself. You heard it here first, listeners. You heard it yeah. here <laughs> Well, that segues us nicely because the last question we ask everyone is, um, do you have any tips or advice for anyone who maybe wants to be a singer or a, a musician or just who wants to get into creative industries in general? Yeah, absolutely. My advice would be just do things, you know, go for it and and get out there and and try stuff out. You know, if there's something that you like to do, try to do it as much as you can, talk to people who are doing it. Don't be afraid of being a beginner. Don't be afraid of running into failures or or sort of falling on your face because it happens to all of us. Um, and it's just sort of, it's, I, I, it took me a long time to understand that failures and challenges were sort of part of the process with, with anything in life, but part of the process of, of moving forwards and learning and finding your way towards real success. I sort of thought for a long time that you had to be perfect out of the box, that you had to sort of like have it all together right from the get-go or no one would take you seriously. And I've realized that that's really not the case. People are really forgiving and, and generous and, you know, they want to help new people out. They want to they wanna give people, uh, you know, a chance to, to learn and a chance to try things. And, and if you go into it with that kind of more positive growth-oriented mindset and believing in your capacity to learn over time and to improve your skills yeah. and to you know chip away at what it is that you're working at you can make so much more progress and absolutely and accomplish so much more quickly and with less you know internal emotional um, baggage around it if yeah. you just sort of like go into it with that humility and that openness that's that's brilliant advice i, I absolutely agree and we, i mean something that's come up on the podcast time and time again because it's so true like you have, you learn from failure you learn from everything and it's it's a journey you know i think you've got to learn to enjoy the process a lot of people want the end goal and right. they don't think about like they think i want to win that oscar for that script or you know i want to win that grammy or whatever but they don't realize that, that the artist had to go on a big journey to get there and you may as well enjoy the journey because that's that's the funnest bit isn't it 
Absolutely. Yeah. And what you just sort of brought up, like, there's so many different versions of success, like winning an Oscar or winning a Grammy, like, that's one level of success. But there's so many other absolutely worthwhile yeah. levels of success, especially especially these days with social media and all these opportunities that we have to, you know, reach people with art in ways that weren't possible before. You can you can find people who will love what you're doing at all levels yeah. of of, of ability and, and at all levels, you know, along the way from, you know, your first little short film or your first song that you've written and recorded all the way up to like your first album or your first full-length feature film, you know, you'll yeah. find people who, who want to cheerlead you along the way. Absolutely. Success isn't like one thing and, and success and happiness are not the same thing either, which I think a lot of people forget. Yeah. Well, Ben, thank you very, very much for giving us your time. I really appreciate you coming on chat to us. And I think you recorded a song for us to play at the end of the podcast. I did. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. Awesome. This has been, this has been so fun. Thank you, Jamie, for having me. No problem. This conversation. Yeah. It's really been, really been a blast. So Ben has very, very kindly sent us a live performance from his home in LA of his recent single, let you down. I don't 
what am I losing? What would you think of me now? So that was Ben's live performance of his single, Let You Down. Thank you again, Ben, for giving us your time. I really enjoyed our conversation. And please, listeners, go and check out Ben's music. There's links to all that in the show notes. Um, and thank you so much again, Ben. I, honestly, I just lo- I love doing this podcast. I love that we can showcase people from across the world. There's so much talent out there. So, yeah, as always, thank you very much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, remember, word of mouth is how we grow. So tell your friends and family to listen. Share us on social media. Just support us in any way you can. And if you can afford to donate the price of a cup of coffee, the price of a pint per month to our Patreon page as well, that would be amazing. All the money goes back into the podcast except 10%, which we donate to a different creative charity every month. So thank you, listeners. Thank you, everyone, for the support. Love doing this. It's an absolute joy. And we'll be back again next week for another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Stay safe, folks. Just get a real